is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? You know, a lot of Christians are deeply concerned about revival, and they should be. I think all Christians want to have a revival. They look at the condition of America, how that we nearly sold our freedom for socialism, which always leads to communism with this past election. I mean, thank God, thank goodness Donald Trump won. I know Donald Trump is not a perfect man, but there's never been a perfect president, okay? I understand that. There's no perfect human beings. But the Hildebeest was a progressive, and she was for socialism, you know, slowly leading toward socialism, which always leads to communism. And we nearly sold our birthright nation of freedom for socialism with this last election. So as we look at the condition of America, yeah, Christians want revival. But I think a lot of Christians are overlooking something. God doesn't just want revival for America. He wants it for all nations of the earth. Nations like Uganda, Africa, where we try to help those people and we send money over there, over there but that money goes into a corrupt government and only a few people get it and the little starving children don't get it. And so it never works. And God wants prosperity and blessings for all. He wants all nations of the earth to be blessed. And that's not going to happen until Christ returns and sets up his kingdom and changes the heart of mankind. So, yeah, I understand Christians wanting and desiring revival. Uh, has any revival ever worked? And if so, how long did it work? And what is your concept of revival? You know, most revivals seems that it's revival without repentance. Oh, it's revival, but it's, there's no repentance there. Now, I want to look at <clears throat> what is prophesied about revival in your Bible. Right after the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out upon these people. They were given the gifts of languages to communicate the gospel, to spread the gospel. In Acts 2 and verse 16, it says this, But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. In the last day, says the Lord, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. In the last days. Now, we can identify when the last days is that it's referring to here. Then we can identify when revival is going to take place. It's going to take place at a time called in the last days. Acts 2 and verse 18. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. So revival is going to take place at a time called the day of the Lord. Now, there's some things to notice here. First of all, when God pours out his spirit, this is what creates real revival. Well, when is God's spirit going to be poured out? Well, at the time called the end, the time, that great day of the Lord. Actually, it's talking about when Christ returns to this earth. Now, another thing 
God does not pour out his spirit on unwilling subjects. You've got to understand this. Okay? He, he, he doesn't make us drink the water. You know? We have to be willing. All right. <clears throat> there are two ways that man can change. Number one, willingly, he freely submits to God's will. That's one way. The other way, he is made to change by force. All right, those, those two ways is the only way the heart of man can be changed. And this verse says in Acts 2 and verse 20, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. So the time frame is the day of the Lord when real revival is going to take place and when God is going to pour out his spirit upon mankind. And this gives us a clue as to what kind of change is taking place at this point. At this point, when this occurs, man is made to change by force, if necessary. Acts 2 and verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now this is future tense. In other words, it should read afterwards. In other words, after the day of the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now what is this day of the Lord? Well, it is the return of Christ to this earth. Christ returns, and the dead are raised, the saints. This is the time referred to as when the trumpet sounds and Christ returns. This is reference to the day of the Lord. It's critical to understand the time frame for which mankind is going to be saved and true revival is going to take place. Now, I understand Christians want revival right now. Christians are praying for revival right now. I understand that. But it's critical to understand when your Bible says revival is going to take place. <clears throat> Acts 2 and verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's future tense. It's afterwards it shall come to pass that after the day of the Lord, okay, they shall be saved when God pours out his spirit upon mankind. Now, let's digress a little bit and talk about six reasons people don't change. Number one, you don't want to change. That's, that's the most obvious reason that people don't change. You don't want to. Uh, lack of desire is a number one reason. You know, and that's why it's so important to have to receive the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God creates that desire for change. And without it, you're not going to have a desire to change. You may know that you need to change, but the power, the desire, the strength to do it will be missing until you receive the Spirit of God. All right, two, second reason people don't change is you don't feel encouraged enough. We are creatures of habit. We just keep doing what we're always done. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons we don't change. We're creatures of habit. Third, your environment is holding you back. You know, if you're trying to lose weight and all the people you're hanging around are eating junk food, it's going to be hard in that environment for you to lose weight. Fourth, you feel like giving up after one or two tries, you know, one or two failures. And the battle is just too hard, and that's the reason people don't change. It's just too much of a struggle to change, and you give up. Fifth, you don't feel enough pain yet. Yeah, <clears throat> you don't feel enough pain yet. And, uh, you know, pain is a great motivator. It really is. And uh, that's one of the ways people can change is by experiencing pain. You know, hunger pains, 
will cause a person to get out and work. It even cause that person will work for food. You know, if he goes hungry long enough, he'll get out and do something about his hunger pains. But, you know, you got all the bleeding hearts out there that gives him money, and therefore he doesn't have to work. Yeah. Sixth reason people don't change is you don't have, you don't know how to practically, practically make the changes. The education is just not there. You know, yeah, a lot of times the education, how to do it, is just not there. You know, they say that one of the worst things you can say to a person is you haven't changed a bit. When will the heart of man change? Well, the Feast of Trumpets reveals when man is going to change. The Feast of Trumpets, the Holy Days reveal what God is up to. And Trumpets reveals when, when the trump sounds and the dead in Christ are raised, Christ returns to this earth. That's when real change is going to take place, and that's when real revival is going to take place. Now, it's a strange thing. Uh, you know, you have the New Testament church keeping the holy days. You have the New Testament church keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, you have Jesus Christ keeping the feasts. Yeah. John 7 and verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And then, if that weren't bad enough, I mean, you've got, when Christ returns, you've got all nations are going to be keeping the feast. Zechariah 14 and verse 19. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. So after the return of Christ, you know, to this earth, People are going to be keeping the feasts. It's just strange that you have the New Testament church keeping the holy days. You have the Apostle Paul. You have Jesus Christ. You have the disciples keeping the holy days. You have prophesied that after the return of Christ, people are going to be keeping the holy days. And yet, there's a missing link in between. Churches are not keeping it today. Why is that? Why is that? I mean, why, why is there a missing link between the two? <clears throat> All right. Let's take a look at this. Revelation, when people are going to real, really change and when revival is going to take place. Revelation 8 and verse 2. Let's take a look at the meaning of the Feast of Trumpets. And I saw the seventh angel which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now there are seven angels, and each one is handed a trumpet. And they start to blow their trumpets one at a time. Okay. Revelation 8 and verse 7. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Now, folks, this is not good. We're talking about what does it take to get people to change. We're talking about when is revival going to take place. Surely, this kind of hardship would motivate people to change, right? Well, let's continue on. Revelation 8 and verse 8. And the second angel sounded. And it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. Revelation 8 and verse 10. And the third angel sounded, and there was a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the water. You know, this is not good. This is bad stuff happening. And you would think, okay, if there's anything that would cause man to change, it is this hardship. Let's continue reading. Revelation 8 and verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten, and a third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars. 
And what's going on here is God is preparing a people for real change. But you've got to soften them up a little bit. You know what I mean? You, you really do. You've got to tenderize them a little bit. <clears throat> you know, I mentioned the sixth reason why people, the sixth reason that people don't change is that you don't feel enough pain yet. Now, you would think, okay, this is hardship. This is bad stuff. Each one of these trumpet blasts is not good. And you would think people would be sick of their painful environment. Well, let's continue reading. What does it take? to get people to change. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven into the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, I don't know what this is, but you know, sometimes science fiction movies will portray a, a portal hole is open up in the heavens and evil spirits are allowed to come through and they create all kinds of destruction for mankind. I don't know if that's what this is, but I'm just speculating that that's, that's science fiction has portrayed that. But, you know, you don't know. You don't know. Revelation 9 verse 4. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass or the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now here, a little bit of encouragement. Here is divine protection. You're not going to hurt those who have the seal of God. Now what is the seal of God? Well, it's the Spirit of God. It's having the Spirit of God. And there is a way to receive the Spirit of God. And there is a counterfeit spirit out there in the world of churchianity that doesn't get you anywhere. But there's a, there's a way to receive the Spirit of God. Revelation 9 verse 13, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great Euphrates. And the fourth angel were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, to slay the third part of men. Now you would think, Man at this point is more than ready to repent and turn and turn to God. I mean, the terrible things are happen, happening. What does it take to get mankind to change? You know, if this doesn't create a need for revival, then what will? Okay, they're ready for a revival right now, right? Man is ready to change. You got these seven trumpet blasts and they're ready for change right now. They're ready for revival, right? Revelation 9, verse 20. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Question, what does it take to create real revival? What does it take to change the heart of mankind? Does it take 450,000 churches that dot the landscape of America? Does it take the 650,000 preachers in America? Does it, has the impact of 2,000 years of Christianity, is that what, what it takes to change the heart of man? Does it take all the soul-saving campaigns? Uh, you know, I mean, here we have six trumpet blasts that you would think would change the heart of mankind, where people are motivated by pain. Bad things happening here. And your Bible says, neither repented they of their murders, 
nor of their thefts, sorceries, fornication. They didn't repent. What does it take to change the heart of mankind? Only two things. One, a calling from God to repent and receive the Spirit of God. Second, the seventh trumpet blast where people are made to change. That's the only thing that will change man. Revelation 11 and verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Okay, this seventh trumpet blast represents the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Now, now we're getting ready for some real change here, but, but hold on, hold on, don't get ahead of yourself. Let's notice what else has to happen here. Notice something else that takes place when Christ returns. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And there's a reason they call them dead. Because they're in their grave, dead, asleep, and going to be resurrected. Dead people need to be resurrected. Yeah, okay. All right. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now at this point, the saints are resurrected, and we're taken to, somewhere up in heaven, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now what is the marriage supper of the Lamb? Well, you got to have an invitation to that one. I mean, it's, it's, it's for specifically the saints who, and your invitation has to say, you have the Spirit of God. You don't have the Spirit of God, you're not going to be there. All right, this is a special, like, party, celebration, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, when we meet Jesus Christ, our bodies are changed from flesh to spirit, and we see God as he is. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And we've got to be changed in order to see God. Okay, this marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. But understand, life goes on for sinning mankind on this earth. Yeah, on earth, things still continue to happen. Well, let's notice what happens. Does revival happen? Uh, does the heart of man change? Well, let's notice. Revelation 16 and verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seventh angel, Go your way and pour out the vials of wrath of God upon the earth. And this, and this seventh angel that also had the seventh trumpet blast that raised the dead, also he has seven vials called the wrath of God. Now get the picture. The saints are with the Lord. They've been resurrected. The marriage supper of the Lamb is taking place in heaven. But life goes on down here for mankind. All right? All right, let's notice what happens. Revelation 16 and verse 2. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a grievous sore upon them, a grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worship his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. This is not good stuff. I mean, what does it take to change the heart of man? What does it take to create real revival? Revelation 16 and verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of the water, and they became blood. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch man, uh, men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat and, and blaspheme. Notice this. Here's your results. Here's your 
This is the way they responded. They blasphemed the name of God, which has power over these plagues. Now notice this. They know that God can stop this. They know that God is the one doing all this to them. And they blaspheme the name of God. And they repented not to give him glory. What does it take to change the heart of man? And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness. And they, and they gnawed their tongues and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the waters thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. You know, finally, these nasty vials called the wrath of God that is poured out on mankind. And what your Bible says, and they still blaspheme the name of God because of their pain and their sores and repent it not of their evil deeds. I mean, think about this. So what do we have so far? Well, we have one, two, three, four, five, six trumpet blasts, which basically represents pure hell on earth. Man doesn't repent. Okay, man doesn't repent. You have the seventh trumpet blast. And Christ returns and resurrects the dead. They meet Christ in the air and, and the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place up in heaven. And then, from that point, you have seven vials called the wrath of God that's poured out on the earth. And mankind still doesn't repent. You know, the seventh trumpet message is simply this. It, it reveals mankind's total unwillingness to change, regardless of his circumstances. Do you think another 9-11 would make a difference? Oh, it may make a difference for three weeks. I mean, what do you think is going to bring about revival? I mean, I know Christians want revival, but what? Tell me, what do you think is going to bring it about? I mean, if the seven trumpets and the seven vials of God called the wrath of God doesn't bring it about, I can't think of anything that will. Well, there is one thing that will bring it about, and I'll touch on that at the end. You know, there is a hardness of the consciousness of mankind. We have gone so deep in our rebellion and our complacency that there's like a hardening of the artery. There there's really is very little hope for change within mankind. The pablum that is being taught in today's churches would never bring about revival. All, it, all that is is revival without repentance. Now you're going to see an attempt at the end time to create revival. And it will be, all it will be is revival without repentance. You know, Jesus spoke at this time. He said, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand. Yeah, Jesus spoke about this. And first, in 2 Thessalonians, it continues on with this idea of this false revival. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. That it is the day of the Lord, notice that, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that as God sitting in the temple of God shows himself that he is God. So what do we need to look for at the end time? Let me give you several things in closing. Some type of temple is going to be built. Probably a temporary temple is going to be built. Uh, blood sacrifices are going to occur again. 
and a great false prophet sitting in the temple of God, sitting in that temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And most, listen to me, most wannabe Christians will fall hook, line, and sinker for this deception. And all it will be is more religion without repentance. So when are we going to have real revival? Your Bible answers the question. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. Yeah, this, this occurs before and then afterwards, after the day of the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it shall come to pass that in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That is when real revival is going to take place. I'm David Freeman. And that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been sponsored by your local Church of God, Rocky Mount. We invite you to fellowship with us every Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Our address is Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, you can contact us by email at minister at cogrm.com. That's minister at cogrm.com. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151